This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hi there. Welcome to Pure Skin Talk. My name is Devin MacArthur. I am a licensed esthetician and certified makeup artist. This podcast is for anyone who wants to learn more about skin and how to take care of it. From acne to anti-aging, I am covering it all and making it easy to understand. Follow me on Instagram at pureskinoc. Hi everyone, thank you for joining us. Today I am speaking to Katie Marshall, who is an esthetician um, like myself, but she is definitely an acne expert. So we're gonna talk about acne today. Welcome, Katie. Hi everyone, thanks Evan, for having me um, guest speak today with you. I'm so looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, so Katie and I uh, kind of know each other uh, in the online world. Um, she's on in a lot of the esthetician groups that I'm in on Facebook. And so she has become a colleague of mine that I turn to for advice. Um, I consider her very smart and nice, and sometimes those don't go together. So she's definitely someone I turn to and ask questions to a lot. Um, so Katie, I'd like you to tell everybody how you got started, like what you know brought you to become an esthetician, and then uh, what brought you to become an ac- acne expert. Um, sure. Uh, so I went to... Um back to school at the age of 32. Um, I got injured at work and I couldn't do my job anymore because what I have is permanent injury. And I've always had a passion for for skin and nutrition and all that stuff, but I just never had the right opportunity to present itself for me to actually just jump in and do it. And, um, when I got injured, I knew I needed to do something, you know, I had like 20 some odd years of customer service, retail management experience, and I had friends and family that were in the industry, um, and opportunities came to you know what, now's the time, you know, I need to make some changes, and, and I got into a um, medical aesthetics practitioner program here in Canada, and um, it wasn't until I got off birth control pills that I had a severe case of acne because I got on the pill early on to self-regulate um, my, my period. Um, I didn't have acne as a teenager, maybe like one or two pimples, but when I got off the pill, my face was literally like a hot mess, and I'm like, hmm. So it doesn't bode well for an esthetician who's new, has a face full of acne, and trying to convince their clients that I can fix your skin. Exactly. <laughs> um, I took the face reality training, and it was just a huge eye opener, but also um, validated my lifelong process. You know that gut health. Um, is a big component to your overall skin health. And I didn't realize that 
even though I was lactose intolerant, that me drinking lattes all day at Starbucks, because that was my last job, was contributing to my acne. I had a lot of congestion, but I didn't, it didn't bother me. Um, but then getting off the pill is what bothered me because I had this cystic acne, the painful um, fists in the jaw, neck area. Um, there's a lot of other lifestyle factors that I was doing that I didn't realize was potentially contributing to my acne until I took the face reality training. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so like, shattering and eye-opening. <laughs> well, and it's crazy for it to happen as an adult when it didn't happen as a teenager. Exactly. Um, the birth control that I was on, you know, is technically an acne-safe birth control, but I was only on it to regulate my period because they were horrendous. <laughs> right, of course, as most women do. Um, yeah, and, um, you know, I did get challenged a couple times by new clients saying, well, you've got acne. I'm like, yeah, but I just got off the pill because my husband and I are one child a family. So a lot of my, you know, childbearing clients can relate. Like, oh yeah, I've been there. I told you what you're getting through. So they still trusted me because they could relate. Right. Because they themselves, when they got off birth control um, to regulate the hormones, yeah, they had a detox effect. Right. What I call it. Um. So you know, it just solidified their faith because they've been there. Um. It also helped me navigate the waters too. I'm like, okay, good. I'm not. I'm not going to be that big. Right. <laughs> Of course. I did this to myself. <laughs> <laughs> we never want to take that responsibility. No, and, and it's hard. Even as a practitioner, I mean, I still struggle. There's, there, I have food triggers. I had stress triggers for my acne, but I take responsibility for it. Right. Um, you know, it's eggnog season. I love eggnog. Oh, it's so it's good. It's <laughs> not to drink less. <laughs> it's so good, though. <laughs> But I'm going to take it. I'm still going to drink it because I only have it once a year. Right. I know I'm going to have an acne breakout in the next 30 to 90 days. But I'm okay with that because you know what? It's once a year. Right. I'm not going to drink it every day. Right. (laughs) Hopefully not. (laughs) No. I'll usually have like, you know, one or two ramen eggnog and I'll have it in my coffee. Um, You know, I just don't make my breakup's a big deal. Because I'm like, I did to myself. Right. I made a choice. There's consequences with that choice. I have great skincare. If I home care to help, a.k.a. prevent, or at least speed up the process. Um, and I got treatments that I can use to, to correct. Right, the thing. There's things that I can do to sort of balance <laughs> my choices. Right. Well, I mean, it's the same with like, you know, when you're trying to diet and you all, you know, you have a piece of pie and it's like, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up over it. You know, you're not going to lose a pound that day, but you know, you you just have to, you have to take responsibility for what you decide to put on your skin or in your body. Totally. My ex-husband and I used to be, um, really into bodybuilding and you know, I was in my twenties, um, and we always had a cheat day. So we would eat healthy six days a week, but we would have one day, it was our date night, that we would, you know, cheat. Um, It was a balance for us because you can't eat healthy all the time. 
Uh, I'm an emotional eater, so sometimes when I'm stressed and upset, I'm going to go for that sugary food. Oh, yeah. That's when you pull uh, out the eggnog and rum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or those, those, you know, chocolate chip cookies or the shortbread cookies are my favorite during Christmas time, right? So, yeah. But you got to have it because then it, it can balance out your stress a little bit. So, you know, it might be a negative, but it's also a positive. Well, because, you know, you need that little self-indulgence once in a while. It's okay. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> um, okay, so what? then what led you to um, want to – well, actually, no. I want to first mention, because you said that you're a medical esthetician, and I want you to clarify what that means in Canada. And what it doesn't mean in the USA. <laughs> okay, so, um, well, in Canada, we are not regulated, um, except for three eastern provinces. They still respect and hold licensure. Um, so in Canada, my course is governed by the BC government um, at, from an accredited program. So it gives me the, the privilege to have the title of a medical esthetician. Um, the training is, as a medical esthetician is was to help me get a job to work in a Durham office or a traditional med spa with doctors. So I have the extra training, the medical terminology training. Um, I would be assisting in pre-care, post-care. Um, I wouldn't be allowed to do injections because I'm not a registered nurse, but I may assist with clients that are getting injections. Um, so it is a bit of a gray area. Uh, it was a 1,200-hour program. It was pretty intense um, theory, and I was quite happy with my course. Um, so I feel the states that have the master esthetician, that's what my title would be equivalent to, would be, you know, Washington, Utah. Um, I think Virginia also has a two-tiered system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't do a lot of the services that I did 10 years ago because I've evolved as a practitioner. Right. Um, as we do and I'm, should. Yeah. And, <laughs> but I'm grateful for the, the terminology and, and the other education because it does tie in when I get a complex um, client and they have com a complex case. You know, I can chime in but still you know what you need to talk to your doctor you need to talk to a dietitian or whatever because there is a a gray area you know right i have to respect that yeah i have the freedom to do a lot of things but i also have to respect my um credentials as a certified practitioner right so i can't do injections <laughs> well at least you, um, you don't do that um, I, I think it's interesting because I mean, specifically where I'm at in California, we are over-regulated and I don't, I know we can't do anything. It's, it's really yeah. insane. And I just, I mean, I know a lot of people like they'll blame the nurses or they just blame all these other things. I really think it's just because California is a sue happy state. And so we're just trying to protect for not being sued all the time, but who knows what the real That's story true. is. Um, but so, so master esthetician you're saying is the equivalent to you being a medical esthetician in Canada. That's just my, my viewpoint. When I talk to my, my American colleagues that are in those states, 
have that have a mass stress tissue because a lot, a lot of times they're allowed to do dermaplaning. Yep. They're allowed to do microneedling. Yep. They're allowed to do lasers, um, and they may not be required to have a medical director. So I'm not required to have a medical director to do microneedling, dermaplaning, or laser treatment. If I was doing more aggressive laser treatments or more aggressive microneedling, I'm required to have a medical director on board. Okay. Um, and but, then... Um, it's not my philosophy to do those really aggressive treatments, so I don't have a medical director. Okay. So what... Um, so talk about medical esthetician in the United States. It doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. It's really bad marketing. Um, you can not call yourself anything other than what your piece of paper license says from your state. Right. Okay. The glorified title that is often given if you work for, you know, a doctor. Um, but many states are cracking down. You cannot call yourself anything other than what is on your piece of paper. Yeah. My piece of paper says I'm a certified medical aesthetic practitioner. So I'm allowed to call myself a certified medical aesthetic practitioner. Um, you can take medical aesthetics training in the states that offer it, but doesn't, you still at the end of the day, your state board says you are a licensed esthetician, or if you work in a state that has a two-tiered system and you've taken the master aesthetics training, then yeah, you're a licensed master esthetician. Yeah. There's no such thing as a medical esthetician. Sorry, folks. <laughs> you just bursted a lot of bubbles out there. Sorry, <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think that sometimes we get hung up on titles and all that stuff. And I just, at the end of the day, I just, I don't think it means that you're more knowledgeable or anything like that, you know? Um, In it's, some cases, when you have like a senior esthetician that's been practicing for 10, 15 years, they do deserve to have some sort of credential title because they've earned yes. the years of the Experience. They've got the continuing education hours to back it up. So I think it's time that estheticians in the States, from my viewpoint here in Canada, is start going to meetings, start advocating, you know, let's, let's be, you know, offered to or three-tier system. Because, you know, I've got friends that have been doing it for 20 years, and they deserve that title. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I I would like to see California do a master esthetician program, but who knows if they will. Yeah. Anyways. Oh my god, it's so ridiculous. I mean, can you imagine? I can't put color on an eyebrow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it it is. It's insane. Um, but you know, people do what they do and whatever. Anyways, let's go back to acne because I could talk about all this other stuff for days. Um, <laughs> but it may be boring to our listeners. Um, okay. So let's talk. So you have now developed an acne, um, e-course and it is for estheticians specifically. Um, you did send it to me. Um, so I got to take a look at it. And so I wanted to talk about some of the things that you discussed in it because, um, just things that come up with clients. I mean, just my clients specifically, or just questions that I get asked all the time um, about acne, and I think that would be um, really interesting. And then for our estheticians, they can they can hear about you know all the stuff that your course has to offer, which 
is kind of amazing. It's a lot of stuff. Okay, so first thing is uh, talk about um, sun and acne. Oh, goody, my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> Especially for so, those living in California where it's always sunny. <laughs> exactly. You know, it is It is a, um, a perception that a lot of clients will have that, oh, my acne gets better when I'm out in the sun. Skin does get better when you're out in the sun because you're, you're getting that vitamin D. You know, up here in British Columbia, you know, we're the Pacific Northwest, so it's dark and cloudy and rainy a lot of the time. Um, so when we do get to the sun, it's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, exactly, right? So it gets um, So it is a false perception that sunlight improves your acne. Um, sorry, folks. It's the truth. Um, it can give the illusion that your acne is getting better, but UV, UV, UV radiation does damage the skin, right? UVA stands for aging rays. UVB stands for burning. Um, so it will dry out your skin, but you'll also produce more oil because your skin's dehydrated from being out in the sun. So it's a vicious cycle that, okay, yeah, your acne lesions have dried up, but then two days later, you're a grease ball. Yes. Uh, because your body's like, I'm dry. I need to make more oil. So now you're really oily, which is going to potentially cause more acne. Um, not to mention, having a tan, that's a scar on your body. Um, you're not doing yourself any favors. You're depleting your collagen. You're depleting your elastin. Um, you're risking melanoma and basal cell carcinoma, squamous cell carcinoma. It's not good. Um, and this yeah, is, and this is true for tanning beds too, for all of you listeners that are like, but I never go out in the sun. <laughs> well, tanning beds, that's, you're just increasing your, yeah. I'd rather you tan outside than a tanning <laughs> bed you have to have a tan. But ultimately, great tan. It's the healthiest. You can have your bronze glow. Um, there's organic spray tans out in the market. Um, there's so many options these days. So it just, it doesn't make sense. I actually worked at a tanning salon. I can't even believe I did. Um, when I was, uh, I think it was my late teens and I would have, I mean, clients would like come get tanned because they were going to Hawaii and they wanted a base tan, which is not the same. So that didn't matter. And then other people would be like, oh my gosh, I have a dance coming up this weekend and, you know, I have a breakout, so I'm going to see if I can kill a bacteria. And I'm like, oh. and I didn't know anything back then, so I was like, sure, okay, you know, whatever. But I cringe now at all those women that were just damaging and making their acne worse. But it's hard, it's also interesting to think about a hundred years ago, if you had a tan, you were considered a peasant because you worked in the field. I know, isn't that and crazy? Having white skin or pale skin, you, it was a sign of, of regalness and, and royalty. And nowadays, because I don't tan, I'm often accused of being sickly. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, well, you have wrinkles. I don't. We're yep. the same age. Go figure. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I definitely am guilty of doing it. I mean, I don't anymore, but I was definitely guilty of, you know, how tan can I get? Um, but I have a girlfriend who is, she. I mean, she's a few years younger than me. But she literally never went out in the sun, and her skin is like porcelain. I mean, it's just yeah. beautiful. And I look at her, and I'm like, have, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I have two DNA markers. So my risk of having skin cancer is 
quite higher than the average person because I have the dark recessed genes, the Spanish, the Portuguese, so I can tan, but I also have the MC1R gene, which is the redhead gene, so I can burn. Right. So having two DNA anomalies that increase my chance of getting skin cancer, it's just not worth it. It's it's really not. It's really not. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm gonna rock my porcelain skin for the day I die. <laughs> and you will always look younger for it. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I don't have good skincare <laughs> okay, so the next thing that you had talked about was um, pressure and friction, and I wanted to address this um, specifically for teen clients and those that um, play sports and have to wear helmets and stuff, and or even adults who wear helmets for sports, whatever. So talk about how that um, can be an issue for, besides the sweat building up, talk about the friction part of it. Oh yeah, so um, acne mechanica is what the scientific terminology is. Um, so for those that have to, that those that play sports, so if you're wearing like a baseball hat or a hockey helmet um, or even wearing gear, um, it can trap the sweat under your skin and it can cause acne so you know sweating is a release of toxins in that but if you've got material like a backpack or a helmet or yoga gear it's not all the fabrics breathable so it's trapping the sweat and bacteria into your skin and you're going to get acne um and, and you know here in BC, we love our outdoors, so I'm always encouraging my clients, like, A, wear your sunscreen, B, have a shower thing to get out. Uh, you don't want to be sitting in that sweaty yoga gear or hiking gear. Um, even for me, I'm a pedestrian, so I often have breakouts on my shoulder straps for my bra fit, and I also retain a lot of heat, so I sweat quite easily. So, it's just, to me, it's just part of life. Right. Um, I hate it, but it's like, ah, it is what it is. I'll just dehydrate with a spot treatment and the acne will go away. So, yeah, it's important to, you know, wash your gear, um, sanitize your, your helmets and stuff with um, a Clorox wipe or a Cavi wipe um, just to make sure that you're not causing more acne. Um, you're not wearing stinky hockey gear. Blah. Yeah. I mean, it smells <laughs> I anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I always start, like my nephews play baseball, so I, I told my sister in law, I'm like, make sure that you're wiping those helmets because that's just you know, an uh, acne waiting to happen. Totally. Um, you don't necessarily have to be genetically prone to acne to experience that. You don't have to have necessarily have to have a history of acne to experience that. It's just the way it is. Well, you can see teenagers who just get acne on their forehead. And a lot of times you yeah. can link it back to that directly, like that the helmet that they have to wear five days a week or whatever, you know? Yep. All these little things matter. Okay, so let's talk about picking, which, I mean, you know, everybody does it mostly. I mean, I have to say nine and a half times out of ten, my acne clients are like, yes, I pick. Um, I can't relate. I'm not a picker, uh, so I can't relate to that. So I always, like, compare it to, like, food, which is my <laughs> my struggle. Um so when I tell people, you know, those, the mindless pickers, the ones who are sitting in front of the TV and don't even realize they're doing it, I'm like, sit on your hands, wear, uh, wear mittens or gloves, whatever, or start knitting. Just do something to keep your hands busy so you can avoid the picking, have somebody around you that will yell at you when you start picking. 
Um, do you have any solutions for these people who, you know, can't seem to stop and are only damaging their skin? I enjoy good pop. I pick my pop, my acne pimples every once in a while. I can't help it. Um, as estheticians, we tend to do things, you know, we're guilty of, of do as I say, not as I do. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I'm the first one to admit to my clients, yes, I'm telling you don't do this and don't do that, but I'm also the first to admit I don't always practice what I preach. I am human. Um, but when it comes to the subconscious part of it, it is. It's a subconscious thing. I was a huge nail biter as a child because I was a very nervous child. My mom was a very um, closed off, not a very tensive mom emotionally. I was always on eggshells, so I was constantly biting my nails. And it drove her crazy because she didn't understand, and I didn't really know as a child that, I was chewing my nails because I had nervous habits. Yeah. Um, and I'm a reformed nail biter, so <laughs> I don't bite my nails. But I will sometimes still habitually stuck on my fingers or stuck on my on the little free edge that I have of my, of my nail um, well, just because I'm focused on something or I'm nervous about something or I'm stressed about something, but I'm not subconscious that my behavior is linked to my emotion. Right. So there could be something that's going on in your life that is causing the stress and anxiety and is making you subconsciously scratch and pop your pimples by yourself. Um, and nails are dirty. So unless every time you're washing your hands, you're washing underneath your nail beds with a manicure brush. Yep. Your nails are dirty. Your hands are dirty. You can still be a diligent hand washer or alcohol um, Purell user. You're touching a lot of stuff throughout the day that is disgusting. Well, I keep trying to disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you think about like when I get home. you pick your even if your hands, let's just say your hands were as clean as they could be. Once you start picking, you're now touching a dirty face. You're touching a dirty face. So then now your hands you are no longer clean. So it just doesn't work. You're no work. longer clean and your skin's not clean. So we're covered in bacteria. We have lots of happy little monsters on our face that are like, ooh, there's an opening. Let's go in there and hide and let's, <laughs> yeah. you know, make a little happy home here. That's how oftentimes when you pop a pimple, it gets angry. Um, and it may get worse and they get much more infected. Um that's the thing. It's not. You may think you're you're helping yourself, but you're potentially causing more damage. And it's gonna take longer for that pimple to heal. So that post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation that is left off and left behind by an acne lesion is gonna take twice as long to heal because it caused additional unnecessary trauma. Right. Um, so you know. Especially with those cystic ones that never come to a head, but you can just feel it just growing and it's painful. Ice cubes are your best friend. At least you're, it gives your mind the illusion that you're doing something, but you're, but you are. You've got using ice cubes. You're reducing the inflammation, but you're not causing additional trauma. Yeah, and I think those yeah. those are probably. I mean, my guess would be one of the harder ones to deal with because they are under the surface. And so it's frustrating that as a picker, you can't get to it. And then you end no, up just damaging the skin. Yeah, that, yeah. But I just, I don't think it's, 
I just imagine that would be really difficult because you want to get to it and you just feel like you keep trying, <laughs> eventually you will, but you have to know that you won't. And, and if, it's, if it's an often reoccurring, that's why you got to figure out, okay, well, what's causing it? What's the trigger? There's always a root cause to every skin condition. Problem is, sometimes we have to look inward and nobody wants to do that. <laughs> no, because we don't like having to admit to ourselves that we're not perfect. Exactly, exactly. And then the, you know, the struggle to actually fix it is, you know, it's work and all that. So, yeah, yeah I don't like I being it. called out for my, for my behavior, but I own it because obviously I step over bounds because I'm a pretty straightforward person and it, sometimes it comes across as insensitive or harsh. Ultimately, I'm coming from, you know, a place of love, but because I am forward and direct for someone who's sensitive, it's upsetting. And I'm like, you know, I will apologize, but I'm not criticizing, criticizing. I'm trying to be helpful, but I can understand that resistance. Right. Um, but it's not, I'm not being mean. I'm just like, like my one girlfriend, she wears her heart in her sleep. She hates it when she asks for me to be truthful. <laughs> and I am truthful. But she knows I'm being honest. Yeah. So, there's a difference I've between got a being a little bit lightly around her, but right. you know. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a difference if, between if you're being mean. Dress and you know, you got a little bit of rolls. I'm gonna say, you know what? Put a pair of spanks on. You look good. Right. Exactly. You know, the thing is, so I think that's a friend. Thank you for looking out. You know. Yeah. But not everybody likes to hear it. And yeah, I mean, I am, I've definitely been accused of maybe being mean or too harsh or bitchy or whatever the word is. And I'm, I don't think I am. I think I'm honest. And I've learned as I got, as I've gotten older, that sometimes you just have to keep your mouth shut because not everybody wants to hear it. And that's okay. True. It's, it's, yeah, we don't often don't want to hear that message. Yeah. I mean, if you're, you're here. If you're a client coming to me and you want, then I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to be mean about it, but I am going to be honest because that's my job to be. But, you know, you just, you yeah, just, it's how you word it. Yeah. yeah. Here are yeah. the facts, but you can be nice about the approach. Okay. So let's move on from that. So you also discussed acne makeup, which is, um, you recommend bare minerals. Um, and can you explain why, um, why there are other options for makeup, but why you pick Bare Minerals? Um, a lot of makeup uh, today, uh, lipid foundation specifically, um, to, for everyone that coverage to cover up their, their imperfections in their skin, like their acne, the post-inflammatory fixation of acne, the rosy cheeks, um, a lot of those heavier foundations have poor clogging ingredients and are often not ideal for acne-prone skin. So you're actually making your acne worse versus trying to cover it up. Um, there's a lot of acne-safe makeup on the market, but you, as a consumer, you have to be diligent with the poor clogging ingredient list to make sure that I bought this compact three months ago. Now I'm run out. I need to replace it. Oftentimes, companies change their formulation, and they may not advertise new and improved formula um, or now added with XYZ ingredients because it makes the makeup better, but not for all consumers. 
So Bare Minerals, um, not all of their makeup is acne safe, but there's a few products that are acne safe. Uh, Priya is 100% acne safe, um, mineral foundation and liquid foundation. Um, it was created by Kelly and she's an acne specialist herself. Um, so yeah, as a consumer, you need to be careful and watch for those hidden pore clogging ingredients. And I think it also should be mentioned, I don't know what the regulations are in Canada, but um, for us, basically saying um, acne safe or, you know, natural or whatever they claim, you know, dermatologist tested, none of that means anything. It doesn't mean anything up here either. Yeah. I can look at an ingredient deck and it may be natural, but I can pinpoint a couple of ingredients right off the bat. Um but just because someone might have one type of acne doesn't always mean they're going to be sensitive to pore clogging ingredients. So that's where a lot of lines will say that if you have acne, regardless of what kind of acne, you need to avoid all pore clogging ingredients. I don't believe that. Um, I think it has to be a trial and error with consumers. Uh, that's the thing. I'm sensitive to some pore clogging ingredients, but I'm not sensitive to all pore clogging ingredients. Right. And it's, I will tell a client, this has got one or two pore cloggers, but they're not high on the pore clogging scale. So give it a try. If it's going to, it does cause additional acne, they got to figure out, okay, is something going on in your life that's caused the acne or is it actually in fact uh, related to the, to the cosmetic? The problem so, is there's so much to consider. And it's just mm-hmm. trying to figure out what works for your skin. I mean, it really is trial and error. Like, you have to find out what works for you. And it's frustrating for consumers because there's a lot of products in the market that say acne safe, non-comedogenic. Yep. But for us estheticians who are a bit more familiar with, in, you know, cosmetic um, chemistry, we can look at the back and we're like, uh, there's two four cloggers in there. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because they can just put, they can say whatever they want. And then, you know, we're just taught, we have been taught by marketing and all that to just believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And we it's have like to. like the sebaceous filaments versus the black kids on the note. Right. <laughs> I love those sebaceous filaments. Um, <laughs> marketing is taught consumers, they're black kids. And I'm like, no. <laughs> they're so different. That's what's crazy. Um, okay, so let's, um, so this is, um, a little just because I think this is a hot topic right now um, with uh, marijuana and legal, not legal, and CBD and all that stuff. So you talked about um, marijuana a little bit, like THC specifically, um, in the course. So can you just like touch on that just briefly about what it means for um, users um, who you know? Yeah. I, I don't. No judgments, no, by not, the way. Like, do what you do. Totally. Yeah, no, I'm not <laughs> judging those that that's pot or do CBD or all that stuff, you know, that's your guys' choice, but let's get realistic. For every action that you do in your life, there's going to be a reaction. Um, and that's on you. Don't blame us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, not our fault. 80, 80, yeah, 80% of your success rates is, is you doing the homework. So, yeah, I do have a couple of clients that um, that do smoke pot or do the, the CBD or the THD, um, and it has caused some additional acne. It does lower your testosterone when you're when you're consuming these um, chemicals in your body, 
but it also increases your chance of eating the munchies. And a lot of times people will eat chips. Um, they like crunchy stuff. So, you know, chips are great, but there's an effect after that. The salt content can can potentially cause acne. The insulin spike can potentially cause acne. Um, I was just having a conversation with two colleagues this morning about it that, you know, maybe have some carrots and celery sticks um, and sliced <laughs> apple because if you're craving that crunchiness while you're high, eat something healthy. <laughs> yeah. So You can have the munchies, you know, but you don't need to do it, like, with the sugar and high, you know? Right? Exactly. So, like, it's a trade-off. Um, so it can be a challenge in that aspect. And does it affect your skin? Uh, that's a bit of a toss-up. It really depends on the client because, you know, there's genetics that come into play. And um, there could be other lifestyle factors that come into play on, on the skin, too. So it's hard to say if it affects the skin. I know one client it does, but they also smoke. So I've got... You know, oh, they geez. smoke pot and smoke cigarettes. So, oh, geez. They're you know, lungs. Like, right? So I'm like, okay, you got to give up one or the other. <laughs> yeah, I pick cigarettes. That's your choice. That's insane. Do you so, think there's any link to, um, like, pots, like the actual smoke from pot and that hitting your skin as far as um, acne and causing, um, you know, maybe more superficial breakouts, not necessarily the cystic or anything like that? Or black yeah, heads I think or there's some effect to it. Okay. I think there's some effect to it. I can't talk about the specifics about it, um, but from my experience, yeah, I think there's definitely, we know smoking causes asphyxiation of skin and increases wrinkles. It causes skin um, to be more drier, dull-looking. Not necessarily as extreme with pot smokers, but I think there's definitely... Some component to that. I would just it's think environmental damage. Yeah, long term, every day. I, I would think it eventually would catch up to you. You know. Yeah. Even if you're not seeing it right away. Um, yeah. Okay. So the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, Retin A. Um, you had mentioned that the formula changed. How does that? So for people who, um, I mean, people are using it for you know anti-aging for preventing wrinkles, stopping wrinkles, whatever they're, you know. Um, so how does that um, affect acne, people who might be prone to acne? So you got to be careful if it's the um, Retin-A cream formulation. The cream formulation has isopropyl methyrate, which is quite high in the pore clogging list. You have stearic acid and stearyl alcohol, which are not as high in the pore clogging list. So if you're going to use a prescription Retin-A, you want the gel formulation because that doesn't have pore cloggers in it. Um, I'm personally not a huge fan of prescription strength retinol. I find that if you use a brand like Environ or any of the other professional skincare lines, their retinol serums are going to give you the great results of anti-aging and combating acne, but it's not going to be as harsh. Mm-hmm. I have had experience with clients that are using the prescription strength for years and their skin is so plastic looking. Like you can literally skate on their face. That's how smooth it is. Yep. And it just doesn't look healthy. I can see the capillaries underneath. Doesn't it feel um, like it hurts? 
That's what I always think. It, it looks like it hurts because it's so stretched. Yeah. Like, it's so thin. And shiny. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, it just doesn't look healthy. Um, I'm also for retinol and that. Uh, Environ has a step-up system, so their retinols are really great. A lot of skincare lines will have um, a plant-based, uh, uh, like it mimics retinol, but it's encapsulated, so it's time-released, and it won't, you may get a little bit of flaking, but only for a few days, but not like weeks on end. Right. I just um, actually did, my last podcast was on um, retinol and retinoids and all that stuff, and I, I talked about that, because I use Lemieux, their retinol serum, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh my gosh, like the results my clients get are amazing, but for somebody like me who is crazy sensitive... I can use it, and I, even when I first started, I never had any kind of flaking with it. Yeah, I usually get my clients to, um, if they're on my skincare brand, my retinol serum, you know, start with every third day, work up to every second day, and then work it to every, every day, um, you're going to get some flaking, just keep going. Yeah, got to work <laughs> through it. The other side. Yeah. And then I have Environ, so I have clients that are, um, that are using the environment, so it's a step-up system. It's a tiered system, so drop level one, go through two or three rounds of that, move up to level two, it's a little stronger. So yeah, there's there's different ways of um, incorporating retinol for, for those that are prone to us that are prone to acne, as well as trans-aging. It's, it's a great ingredient. I'm just not a fan of doing a prescription unless we like really need to. Right. But there are other ways to do it. I'm I'm more of a conservative practitioner. I'm the less is more. Yep. That's so why I always say inflamed and upset, so let's you know, let's do something hydrating and calming and then kick up your routine a little bit more. So that's thing I prefer to be more conservative in that way. I'm not one to throw as my friend Laura likes to say throw a grenade in a gunfight yes yes thank you that is so perfect because I say this I probably on every podcast that I think that less is more and you don't have to hit your skin so hard and attack it to get results no and if you're doing that you're actually accelerating your yes yes inflammation that you temporarily get because you get that beautiful glow and and everything looks great exactly you're, you're actually causing trauma Exactly. And the consistent trauma will accelerate your aging. So, you know, we're all like, we don't want to age. We want to age gracefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I think is so funny is people, they, you know, when they, you know, come to me or whatever, whatever version of them coming to see me um, and they'll, you know, they're worried about aging. Every single person says that, whether it's the form of wrinkles or, you know, whatever it is. And, but then they're like, but I'm using this product or I'm doing that. And I'm just like, but that's the opposite. Or I'm not wearing sunscreen, you know? Yeah, and I'm like, um. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> well, yeah, especially if, if they are in a good, a good skincare regimen, a lot of skincare products have essential oils and extracts. These ingredients are great for your skin, but they're phototoxic, meaning they're working against you because you're going out in the hot sun without SPF, you're now going to have sun damage. It's not going to show up right away. You might have increased your burn time. You might have noticed, wow, I got a sunburn tail faster than I anticipated. But those sun 
damage thoughts are going to come haunt you in 20 years. Yes, exactly. But it's what happens now that people care about. And so I'm always, especially with my teenagers, I'm telling them, I know you don't care now, but I promise you in 10 years, you will. You're going to care in 20 years. <laughs> yes. Like, it'll, I mean, I have a niece that she drives me crazy because she won't listen to me. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, and her acne is the kind that like is way more fixable. Like, you know, if she just listened to me, she would be in better shape and she won't. And I'm and like, won't wear sunscreen and she plays basketball. And I'm just like, oh gosh, you can't save yeah, everybody. I just, I just tell them like, you can't blame me. No. You know, 80% of your results is you doing the homework and following the program. 20% is me doing my magic when you come visit me for an hour. Yes, exactly. That's what people have to understand. Like, you can come get a facial all day long, but if you're not doing anything at home, you know, if that yeah. goes back to working out, get a personal trainer once a month, well, that's not going to do anything for you, you know? No. Yeah, exactly. You can't go to the gym, you know, first thing in the morning, burn, you know, a couple hundred calories and then go eat a Big Mac for lunch. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You got to put the work in no matter, no matter what you want in life, you got to put the work in to get the results. It's just how it works. Probably. Um, okay. Happens overnight. That, yes. Despite what, um, proactive tells you it's not going to happen overnight. Oh yeah. Our favorite, right? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, okay. So I think that's it. I think that you have given, um, our listeners a lot of information and helpful information and real information that I think can lead them in a better direction. Um, so hopefully they will take that advice. Um, so thank you so much for spending the time with, with, uh, all of us today, Katie. Oh, no problem. Anytime. You know me, I like to chat. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. Um, Thanks for listening to my interview with Katie Marshall. Hopefully you guys all learned a lot. I think she's absolutely just an amazing acne expert and she has helped me just with questions and stuff if I ever feel stumped. Um, if you are an esthetician or are interested in taking her e-course, then hop on over to my podcast for estheticians called Pure Skin Talk for the Esthetician. She get, We talk more about the actual course that she has um, put together. And then also there is a special on her, special pricing for her e-course. So check that out at Pure Skin Talk for the Esthetician. Thanks so much, guys. I hope you have a great week. Bye.